Hello and welcome to the Gathering Church at Home. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. This is my daughter Dagny June, and I believe Batgirl is going to be joining us. Da -na 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 -na. Oh, sorry. Batgirl is coming. She's on her way. Hey, from our family to yours, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We know that uh, as we get into our sixth or seventh or 120th week of quarantine, that everybody is learning how to work with their kids at home, or maybe you are the work for your kids. You're a teacher now, and you never thought that'd be your role, or, or whatever it is. You know, we, we are all in this together. And so uh, from our family to yours, we're here with you. And, uh, and thank you so much for joining us today. Eleanor, or Batgirl, do you have anything you'd like to say? Um, hi, G-Kids. She wants to say hi to all those G-Kids that are watching. We have an incredible G-Kids ministry. And uh, I really think if you've got kids that are in this age group, really from 18 months all the way up to fifth grade, they're going to love it. Get on gatherashville.org slash kids after service. And, uh, and they've got a video for them to watch and some activities to do. Thanks for hanging out with Daddy, girls. Thanks. Okay, you're going to go play? What are you going to do? Dagny's just going to give the mean mug. See you, kiddos. <sighs> All right. Well, today we are doing a series called Reboot Church. We've had to reboot everything in this season. Listen, this is part of working with your kids. Am I right? She'll be fine. Uh, everyone from governments to CEOs to teachers to nurses to doctors and restaurants, everybody is rebooting the way that they've been doing things and learning a new way to do it. That's why right now is the perfect time to reboot some of the ideas we have about church, some of the ways we think about church or the opinions we have or, or the reputations that we've heard. Now is a good time to reboot some of those things. Let me ask you this. What do you think of when you think about church? Do you think of community and peace and joy and worship? Or do you think of stuffy clothes and stuffy people and stuffy buildings? Do you think of grace and love? Or do you think of guilt and judgment? I think a lot of people think about church and think of it as a monument to the perfect. Maybe you've always had a hard time going to church or really becoming a part of a church because you've just never really felt good enough. Maybe somebody made you feel that way or maybe culture made you feel that way or maybe you don't really know why you feel that way. You just know that you do. Maybe the reason you, maybe you're one of those that have been joining us online over the last few weeks but had never been through our doors. And maybe, maybe you probably wouldn't have come through our doors if you hadn't had this opportunity to get to know us here first. I heard last week in a study that 49% of churches in America are growing right now, which is a number that's usually around 10 or 15%. And I believe the reason for that is because it's easier for people to join us online than it is in person because of many of the ways that we feel about stepping into a church. I want to reboot some of that in this series. Maybe you, at some point in your life, went into a church or you were a part of one before and things were good until the moment one of your weaknesses was exposed. 
And maybe that's when you were made to feel like you were less than because of it. Jesus came to reboot this idea of church. You see, this has been a problem for a very long time. It's not new, and it's not new to us. In Jesus' time, the religious leaders called Pharisees were leading out of a place of hypocrisy and judgment. He says, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 23. It says, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you to do. In other words, hey, they're teaching God's word, still rely on God's word, believe in God's word, but do not do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They cast judgment, but they don't offer people a way forward. Everything they do, they do for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Pharisees were for the most part teaching God's word, but they weren't living it, and so there was a disconnect in the people. The people were coming into these places of worship or they were learning from these Pharisees, these teachers of the law. But what they were noticing was that the way that the people that they were learning from behaved was different than what they were teaching. They weren't able to connect the two. See, Jesus called this behavior out. He was the one who said, my kingdom isn't one for perfect people. It's a place for broken people to be made whole again. And it's a kingdom built on humility and not on pride. Today, I want to reboot our posture, our posture, the posture we take as a church. Instead of a posture of pride and self-righteousness that if we're honest, some of us, even me, have been guilty of taking before, we want to take a posture of humility. I believe that church isn't a monument to the perfect. It's a hospital for the broken, the hurting, and the healing. Just like a hospital has different floors dedicated to different purposes, some uh, to ICU, some to specialty, some to recovery, some to re rehabilitation, just like there's different levels of sickness in a hospital and people moving through the process in different places at the church, we are in different phases of finding freedom and healing. You won't find a single person who is perfect. When I first walked into the church, I was far from perfect. I was depressed. I was hurting. I was lonely. I was addicted to cigarettes and dependent on alcohol. I was a mess. And for 12 years, I've been finding freedom and healing. And today, even as a pastor of a church, I'm not perfect, so I don't expect you to be either. Here's four things that I want you to know about the church as we reboot to this posture of humility. 
first, it's okay to not be okay. Let that sink in for a minute. Maybe you think that in order to be a part of a church, you need to be able to at least pretend to have yourself together. Maybe you think Sundays, the, the way that we knew them, were about putting on your nicest clothes or your nicest face and trying to convince your kids to keep themselves composed for at least the next hour, hour and a half while you're in there. Maybe you think that when you go into a life group and people ask you how you're doing, that the answer you have to give is, I'm blessed and highly favored in the Lord, brother. How are you? Maybe that's what you've thought. Maybe you've been relieved during this season of quarantine, at least in the church front, because you don't have to pretend like you didn't just scream at your kids the whole way there. Or you don't have to pretend like you didn't just argue with your spouse the whole way to life group. Maybe that's been a little bit of a load off your shoulders. But I need you to hear me say that when we are not in quarantine, when we are all meeting together, that our expectation of you is not that you're always okay. It's okay to not be okay. We expect it. Every single one of us has made mistakes. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means everybody. That means me, you, even your third grade Sunday school teacher. Everybody has made mistakes, all of us. At some point, all of us have not been okay. The Bible is full of people who go through all kinds of hard seasons, like the one that you might be in right now. In fact, if you read the Psalms, two-thirds of the Psalms describe moments just like that. And people who go through these seasons in the Bible don't always go through them gracefully. One of the most prominent prophets in the Old Testament was a man named Elijah. Elijah did a lot of really wonderful and amazing things for God. But he also went through a hard moment, a hard season. You see, he had become an enemy of the king's wife and the king, and they were making threats toward him, and he was afraid. And the Bible says in uh, 1 Kings that he, he became so depressed and so scared that he just wanted to die. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, it says, And then Elijah walked for a whole day into the desert, and he sat down under a bush, and he asked to die. I have had enough, Lord, he prayed. Let me die. I am no better than my ancestors. Depression and thoughts of suicide and one of the Bible's most prominent heroes. Because sometimes it's okay to not be okay. The Bible never paints a different picture. I believe meeting people in that place, finding people who are in... In, in, in a place of not being okay, is a primary function of the church. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. All of us have troubles. Everyone has troubles. Everybody goes through it. It's a normal part of life. So that we can comfort keeps going in verse 4, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to tell somebody that they can be, so that they can be there for you. It's okay to let people know you're not okay. It's okay to admit it. 
It's okay to take the mask off to get vulnerable because when you come into church and you see somebody who you think has their life more put together than you, you need to know that they weren't born that way. And at some point, they weren't okay and somebody was there for them. This is what the church does. We help each other find freedom. And we do that because, number two, everyone needs to find freedom. Everybody. Every single one of us enters into a relationship with Jesus with things we need freedom from. In John 8.34, Jesus says, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Maybe you have an addiction or a sin habit that you've never been able to get free from. Maybe you've tried and failed more than once. And that's how sin is. We get all tangled up in these patterns that it becomes really hard for us to find our way out. Maybe it's not sin for you. Maybe the things that you need freedom from are something else. It's a hang-up or a mentality. For me, when I entered into a relationship with Jesus, I had plenty of sin that I needed freedom from. But the primary thing that I wanted freedom from, that I needed freedom from, was depression. Severe depression to the point of a failed suicide attempt. When I became a Christian, I was not okay. But with some time and a lot of intentional work, I found freedom. You need to hear me tell you that it was a process. That it wasn't like I became a Christian and I woke up the next day and my depression was gone. It didn't work like that. But I will tell you that when I became a follower of Jesus, the very moment that He came into my life and came into my heart, I was different. I had a hope that I didn't have before. I woke up every day believing that it would get better, believing that I had a purpose in this life, believing that it would be worth it, which gave me the will to find freedom, the desire to find freedom. Look at Paul's words in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Finding freedom is work. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. See, finding freedom is a result of our salvation, but it doesn't happen automatically. We have to work for it. Paul says God gives us the desire and the power to find freedom. That's what I woke up with. The desire and the power inside of me to find freedom. But it was about a year or a little bit more of intentionally working at it every day before I felt free from that depression and before I had freedom from all that sin that I brought into my relationship with Jesus. See, we have salvation in knowing God and that's amazing. But we need to do the work to find freedom to live the life God created us to live. And we all need freedom. Everybody needs to find freedom. When we enter into this relationship with Jesus, we're coming out of bondage, out of slavery. And so that leaves us with a lot of baggage. It's like when you've been in a relationship for a long time, dating somebody or married even, and it ends. When you enter a new relationship after that one, you bring some baggage with you, don't you? You bring some past habits some hurts and hang-ups into that new relationship that are going to have to be addressed and dealt with so that you can be healthy. It's the very same when we enter a relationship with Jesus. 
We are leaving a relationship with sin behind us and entering a new relationship with Jesus. And we are bringing some baggage with us from our last relationship. We've got to find freedom from that. So I've got some good news, though, for you. Number three, healing is possible. Not just freedom, but healing. So here's the deal. Maybe you thought Christians were these perfect people or people walking around pretending to be perfect. Maybe you thought you would never fit in, never be accepted at church because of all the baggage you carry or all the mistakes you've made. I hope you're seeing how wrong you've been. Christians aren't perfect people. They're healing people. They are people who've been broken. They are, they are people who've been broken and hurt and who found the only one who could make them whole and who found a family to help them get there. We believe that at church it's okay to not be okay, but we don't want you to stay that way. It may take time. You may have to do a lot of work in finding freedom, but healing is possible. Jesus says in John 8:36, "So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed." And 1 Peter 2:24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body and on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. You can really experience freedom and healing. You can know what it feels like to be made whole again. All the pieces that you thought were broken and shattered forever, you can be made whole again. You can be healed. We believe that's a major function of the church. It's not a place to come once you've already found freedom. It's not a place to come once you've already got yourself put together. It's the place you come to find freedom. And if you want to experience this kind of freedom and this kind of healing, it requires community. I read from this last week, but look at James chapter 5. Again, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And this prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And not just sick. Listen, he doesn't just mean sick like you got the coronavirus. We're not just talking about sick like, I, like I'm not feeling well. He means sick like in your spirit and in your soul. Sick like something is wrong, like I'm not right. I'm broken inside. He is saying that if you feel that, if you've got that sickness, that the place for you to go isn't to go look for some way to fill all those voids elsewhere in the world. He says the place for you to go is the church. When you feel sick, when you are spiritually, emotionally, physically broken, the church is where you go. And you let people pray over you and pour into your life and invest in you and care for you. Let the, and the Lord will raise them up, it says. And if they've, been sin, if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. In verse 16, he says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, I think James paints a clear picture of what the church really is. This is where you can come to find healing. And it's not us, not the people of the church that bring the healing, but together we help each other find it. I believe the church is the place where we should be the most comfortable taking off our mask 
and being vulnerable and admitting all the issues that we are trying to find freedom from. That the church should be the place where we are most comfortable saying, I need help. But for some reason over time and in different cultures since the time of Jesus, the opposite has become true. I believe the church is the place you gather people around you to share what your struggles are so that together we can find freedom and healing. It happens in community. We believe our life groups are great outlets for this. If you haven't ever experienced one of our life groups, commit now to join a summer group as signups kick off next month. We're about to start life group leader signups next week and you can sign up to lead a life group. We aren't 100% sure what it looks like right now. Maybe you'll be leading Zoom groups. Maybe you'll be leading just simple family dinners in your home. We'll keep the limit to under 10 people. We don't know yet, but life groups are starting soon. And we're gonna start signups in May. And I want you just to know that these are places where you can find freedom. And so if you make a commitment now, it will affect your future later. Life groups are a great place to find freedom because they're a place where you can come as you are and get vulnerable and expect to leave changed. At the gathering, I believe you'll find that we always lead from a posture of humility over judgment. See, Jesus is the only human person to live a perfect life. And if anyone had a right to walk around with a high and mighty persona, it was him. But he didn't. He washed feet. And he touched people who were sick in quarantine. And he humbled himself, even in death, dying like a criminal on a cross. So we humble ourselves as well. Matthew 23, 12 says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Just know that if you come into this family to worship, whether it's online or in person, that you are coming into the company of people who are either finding freedom or who have found freedom. And even those of us who have found freedom aren't perfect and we don't think we are. We still have things that we are finding freedom from. Finding freedom is a lifelong endeavor. That's why it's our role to cast care on each other, not judgment. If you're ready to start that journey today to know God, find freedom, then why don't you say this prayer with me? You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have your life perfect. Wherever you are right now, just, just say these words. And this is like the beginning of a relationship. This, isn't, this prayer isn't like a magic abracadabra word that makes all everything go away. This is the commitment to start a relationship that will change you forever. Just say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for everything that you've done to make me whole. Forgive me for all my sin and my mistakes. Forgive me for all the, all the ways I've tried to do this on my own. Today, I give everything I am to you. I believe in you. I need you. I want more of you. I commit myself to you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, hey, if you're watching right now and you just made that decision, then let us know. Go fill out an online connect card so that we can connect you with a real live person who will help you determine your next steps. 
And uh, there's other ways to connect with us on that Connect card as well. You can fill out a prayer request and let us know how we can be praying for you. You can let us know that you're interested about how to be a part of our church. Even in this season, there are ways you can be a part of the gathering church. And uh, I also want to let you know that uh, we believe giving is worship at the gathering. And if the gathering church has become your home, then we invite you to partner with us in giving. Because of your generosity, our church has been able to bless our community and our city during this so difficult season. And we will continue to do so as long as we are able. And so if this is your home and you'd like to partner with us in giving, you can do so online or by texting to give uh, at our website, gatherashville.org give or texting uh, following the prompt on the screen. Thank you guys so much. Uh, for partnering, for joining us today. Uh, let me pray as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, that you accept us even in our brokenness, God, that we don't have to have it all together to come before you, that, that you've been the one to do the work to make us clean and to make us whole and to offer us righteousness. And so we worship you, we honor you, we give you all our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today.